Hello and a warm welcome to all the listeners of the Offstand podcast. Welcome to the new episode of the T20 Fever. This is Dhanush Lavanya, right here. And today we are definitely going into the tournament that is going to finish up. The first tournament that will be finishing up in 2024, the first franchise tournament. It started back in December, on December 7th. And on January 24th, we are calling it end of the 13th edition of the Big Bash League. And this has been a tournament that I always say it's the best tournament when it comes to evening the odds for a batter in the bowler because it is that tournament where even 160 target, 170 target is not that easy to chase, where 200 totals are not that easy to make. And this has been a tournament that has definitely brought in that balance between the batters and the bowlers. And certainly the experimentations that they do, they have the bat flip scenario in order to make sure that the backyard cricket is being remembered every single time you go on and make sure that you have some lightheartedness whenever you are playing the game of cricket. That is the approach and that's the reason why the bat flip replaced uh, the usual toss that we see in uh, normal tournaments. And we also see the likes of other uh, rules and regulations like the zinc bales being introduced and others, which certainly made a huge impact uh, when it comes to the international cricket where zinc bales are a huge part of uh, international cricket in today's generation. But one thing that I feel will be kind of influencing once again from the uh, from the wonderful tournament that is the Big Bash League is going to be the power surge probably because as the time is progressing, we can definitely say that the game is becoming way too much uh, batsman friendly. And that is why we are seeing 200s being scored for fun, 300s being scored for fun in 50 over games. And the way this uh, very league, the Big Bash League, uh, has brought in the power surge rule that basically is a rule where instead of having a six over power play, it is four overs of power play. And the remaining two overs of power play can be taken by the batting team whenever they want after the completion of the 10th over. So that's a very good scenario that has been created. The batting team also can strategize according to that and also can play according to those scenarios. But it also gives more opportunities for the bowlers out there to make sure they can use the field placements perfectly and get the wickets for themselves because that's the reason why the moment it's just four overs by the time the batsman gets an idea of the game uh, he's already uh, four overs are already done and dusted and then they have to play their natural cricket of running between the wickets and trying to score the runs uh, with singles and doubles as much as possible and that is what this tournament of the big bash league has done and it's not just the dimensions of the ground being that being big and making um, and leveraging the importance on singles and doubles it is also the way the approach is being taken from the batsman's hands from the bowling department is that they know that the two hours of power surge is uh, looming around uh, so it will be a time where the batsman will go on to play those aggressive strokes that is the reason why we see the ba- the batting team usually uh, making sure that they take it around the time of the slog overs so that they can enter into the slog overs with that attacking mindset and also get some quality runs behind them and that is the reason we see that uh, power surge being utilized regularly in the 14th, 15th over or the 15th, 16th over. So that the mindset is being developed for the last 5-6 overs where the attacking uh, cricket is being uh, played out there. And certainly that rule has kind of balanced out uh, both for the batting team and for the boarding team. Because in the search of those quick runs in those two power surge overs, certainly the chances of losing your wicket will be really, really high. 
and that is why the bowling team also will get some amount of advantage making sure that there is equal amount of balancing done between uh, bat and ball and that's the reason why i felt uh, the big bash league 13th edition was a spectacular tournament it was just 44 games but all 44 games had its own importance and certainly it uh, lived up to a lot of my expectations personally and now heading into the final i feel it's two deserving teams that are facing off each other first up sydney success three-time champions they were the inaugural champions uh, back in 2011 edition and after that they had to wait for eight years and they went uh, they won two back-to-back editions in 2019 2020 and 2020 and 2021 so they have uh, had three championships under their belt and one more fun part was that out of the three championships two of those uh, the the last two the second and the third one was one in their home ground itself and today also sydney sixers are playing their final in the home of uh, of their of their home ground that is sydney cricket ground in scg so once more will it be third time in this in front of the home crowd is something that needs to be seen for the sydney sixers team and as far as the opposition team is concerned they have been the most consistent team in the tournament brisbane heat they were the table toppers in the uh, at the end of the league stage, they had won seven of the uh, what ten games that they played, lost just one of those uh, games. A couple of them were washed out, and they were just outstandingly consistent out there in the tournament. And the big reason was their outstanding bowling unit, as such. And we'll put uh, the spotlight on the bowling unit and how spectacular their performance was in this uh, edition of the tournament, which resulted in them coming into the uh, into the playoffs, finishing up at the top of the table. They had a bit of a misfortune, unfortunately, in the first qualifier where they lost against Sydney Sixers, but they came back strong in the second qualifier against the uh, against the Adelaide Strikers and managed to come back and find a way into the finals once again. Their history in the Big Bash League finals, two times they have played the finals. They won the second edition of the Big Bash League as well. So Sydney Sixers won the first edition, Brisbane Heat won the second edition. And after that, last year, Brisbane Heat had a spectacular amazing mind-blowing run i have to say because it was such a ex- excellent performance that they finished up at number five and they, and the last edition had a different way of playing the knockouts different way of playing the playoffs and that is why the number five position team had to play the number four number three number two number one all the teams in order to get into the final and that is what they did they won three matches uh in the in the playoffs and managed to see the spot in the final but unfortunately in the final it was the Perth scotches team who came out uh, as the victor in front of their home car, home crowd in the Optus Stadium in Perth. So they have been really consistent in the last uh, few editions, the Brisbane Heat. And once again, now back-to-back finals for them. And certainly they will be reigning in huge amount of confidence heading into this uh, game. And talking about what really has worked out for uh, the Brisbane Heat in this tournament, I said they, they are a team that uh, are more dominant in their bowling front because I was just looking at the list of players who have taken most number of wickets. The highest wicket taker in the tournament, Xavier Bartlett, 18 wickets. He is the lead pacer of the Brisbane Heat team. Then there is uh, Paul Walter, who is who has been outstanding this season. First season for him in the Big Bash League, coming from England, 30 years old, around six foot seven height, uh, is a really really good left arm pace bowler out there. Took 16 wickets in the tournament and also provided some handy knocks with the bat lower down the order. And then there's Spencer Johnson, who is definitely considered as a prodigy in Australian cricket at this uh, time period. 15 wickets for him as well. And there's senior statesman and Michael Nasser, who has been with them for a long period of time. He also took 11 wickets. So four of your 6-7 bowlers that you have, have taken more than 10 wickets in the tournament. 
that definitely shows how much uh, quality and how much good bowling the Brisbane Heat has done in this tournament. And that is the reason why they are currently placed uh, in the final. And that is the reason why they have been managed to do so well in the tournament. Because we usually say in T20 tournaments or in big tournaments where it's a, where it's a multi for multi teams participating, it is the batters whose job is to win matches and it is the job of the bowlers to make sure uh, to win championships because the batsman can have an inconsistent run. He can hit a 50 every third game but and still end up scoring 300 runs and, and have a good season for himself. But for a bowler, he has to take those wickets regularly and all of these uh, frontline bowlers, all of them are fast bowlers, have done extremely well out there for the Brisbane Heat team and that, and that is the reason why they are uh, fi finding themselves in the finals this time once again back to back and in their batting front they had the likes of uh, Colin Munro in their team but they had the likes of uh, uh, Usman Kawaja in the earlier stages of the tournament but, uh, but they weren't able to last long with them they only played a handful of games for them and it was largely an inexperienced uh, batting lineup Nathan McSweeney also who is leading the side in the final. He has just had a couple of seasons under his belt. So he hasn't had that much amount of experience as a captain, nor as a batsman in this Big Bash League tournament. That batting lineup also, if we see, it is not that much uh, well-equipped. It was just a brilliant batting performance in that second qualifier from Josh Brown, who finally broke the drought out there because the whole edition of the Big Bash League uh, season 13, we had not seen a single centurion. The first match... Colin Munro, who was leading the Brisbane Heat team in the first match against Melbourne Stars, he scored a brilliant 99 with the bat. And that was the highest total till day before yesterday when we saw Josh Brown go past that three-figure mark and score a brilliant 140. Gave the Brisbane Heat team a good total on the board of 214 once again. And that helped them to win the game pretty convincingly and seal their spot in the final. So Josh Brown was is someone who has managed to score over 300 runs for the team. But no one else has done uh, that impressively for the team because Colin Munro has around 224 runs. But someone like a Nathan McSweeney, uh, someone from England in the form of Sam Billings, all these players have definitely not been able to step up and score consistently. But still, it is their bowling attack that has carried them throughout the tournament. And that is why they are here in the final. And today in the final, it is important for the batting unit to step up because we saw the qualifier one. There also, their batting unit failed. And unfortunately, they weren't able to uh, get a direct qualification into the final in that game against Sydney Sixers. Looking onto the Sydney Sixers team, it is uh, another different approach because I see both the teams have two different uh, styles of uh, approaches. As far as the Brisbane Heat is concerned, they are more of an attacking team and that is the reason why the batters have good strike rate. They don't have that much amount of runs behind them and they have uh, definitely been a team that has scored uh, really, really good. They have an average of 170-175 in their uh, in their when it comes to scoring runs. But Sydney Sixers on the other side, they have won five matches. Where they are not won five matches. They have batted first in five matches in which they scored less than 160 runs, and of which they managed to win four of them. So that basically tells how good they are uh, they are as a team when it comes to defending the totals, and also they are also an, a team that has had a good chunk of batters out there because none of them have scored like exceedingly well, like scoring 300 runs or 400 runs. James Wins has scored 244. Josh Philippi, 234. Moses Henrik is the captain, 232. Daniel Hodges, 220 runs. If you see all these players, they have one scored at a similar rate and they have similar uh, strike rate as well. They have around 130, 135. That's maximum. 
that is how their strike rate is in the tournament but more than anything these players have played for this very franchise team for multiple seasons and that is the reason why it is important to have the core of your team in your playing 11 and as far as this team is concerned city sixers they have always been making sure that they have players who are experienced in the tournament but once they invest on them they invest on them regularly because these four players james wins josh philippi moises andrekas daniel hughes add one more player in jordan silk they have had a lot of experience especially the last three hughes andrekas and silk they have played for nearly 10 to 12 editions for the very same team of the sydney sixers so they have been extremely consistent and they have grown through the years individually as performers and as uh, players with this team and that is the reason why we see so much consistency in the performance of sydney sixers and also new additions like josh philippi like james wins have come in and done extremely well on the bowling front as well ben washes has played around eight seasons for them in this edition he was off color but still he was he is the second highest wicket taker in the tournament 16 wickets for him he took a brilliant five wicket haul the last time he played the brisbane heat in the first qualifier a week ago so certainly he will be hoping to do a similar performance in this game as well in the final and seal the deal for the sydney sixers in the final and lift that trophy for the fourth time so certainly two teams with two different uh, mindsets one team heavily dependent on their bowling the other team playing like a team unit all together where batters and bowlers have equal amount of contribution and relying highly on experience is what sydney sixers are in and certainly both these teams finished up at number 1 and number 2 in the points table and they definitely deserve this position of being in the final and certainly it will be a final to watch out for it will be starting at 1:40 pm uh, here in indian standard time and it will be in the sydney cricket ground and it will be a game that will be fun and we will see whether the drought of brisbane heat uh, gets over because it's been like 12 year, 10 11 years for them since they have won the championship they won in the second season now it's the 13th season so it's been 11 editions will they do it this time or will the sydney sixers win a championship after a couple of years of after missing out a couple of years in last two editions and get their fourth title and get closer to that uh, trophy cabinet with perth scorchers because perth scorchers has five championships sydney sixers has three they are the second most and then you have other teams like brisbane heat added their strikers melbourne renegades and sydney thunder who have held the championship at least once and a couple of teams in hobart hurricanes and melbourne stars unfortunately are the two teams that have not won the trophy yet even after 13 editions so they will have to wait in the years to come by but this edition of the uh, of the big bash league was certainly a great spectacle of equal opportunity for the batters and the bowlers and certainly this type of uh, tournament is what i will be expecting on all the franchise tournaments that will be happening in the years to come by and that is going that is currently going on as well and certainly may the best team win is what we can expect and i'll definitely bring how the tournament ended in the next episode of the of the t20 fever podcast on the off stump and it will be definitely a tournament that we'll be remembering for a long period of time next up let us move up to the sa20 out there it has uh, definitely been a quiet few days of uh, cricket in sa20 because the first 10 to 12 matches it was just slam bang and hard by the batters out there there were some terrific batting performances ryan rickleton specifically was taking the tournament by by storm scoring four back to back half centuries having the highest run scorers uh, name under his uh, having the most runs under his name as well we saw someone like a jordan herman the youngster score a brilliant century out there 
and all these batting performances were coming that terrific 200 run partnership between Rickelton and Rasi van der Dusen all these things were seen in the first week and a half of the tournament but now as we are in this middle phase of the tournament where we are almost on the halfway mark we have gone through the halfway mark we are already done with 16 matches of the tournament and and this last 3 4 matches specifically there hasn't been a single half centurion and that shows the amount of dominance the bowlers have done over the last uh, few days and specifically if we look into the teams that uh, team performances individually the top two teams pal royals and durban super giants they started off the tournament on a high winning their first three games then both the teams had to suffer a defeat uh, out there but they have managed to come back strong in their fifth game out there both the teams are at the top two position at the moment with four victories each in five games that they have played so half of the tournament remaining can they keep up those positions is something that needs to be seen and as far as the sunrisers eastern cape is concerned they didn't have the best of the starts you know the first match that was washed out second match it was uh, a defeat against devon super giants but now they have managed to come back strong out there and currently the way they managed to play against the pretoria capital was a statement maker is what i can say bowling them out for just 52 runs and making a statement uh, like this is our this is the the quality bowling unit that we have in our side and that is what they presented out there and it was a good showcase of fast bowling out there from the sunrise sunrise eastern cape team if i'm not wrong even marco jansen did not play in that game but still they managed to bowl out the pretoria capital pretty convincingly out there and moreover they dominated against them left right and center never gave them any opportunity to go and find themselves a victory or anything of that sorts and certainly that uh, helped them um, helped them win the game in dominating fashion and looking at that performance against uh, the the pretoria capital pretoria capital they they were coming off of a good win behind their belt against against the durban super giants but unfortunate that they weren't able to keep up the momentum they were bowled out for 52 and yes they didn't have uh, marco jansen was there uh, i definitely missed out amongst the list of fast bowlers that performed in that game because daniel warren 3 for 22 in his four overs the australian medium pacer Marco Jans in two for eleven. The best of the lot was Otneil Bartman, the enforcer of the bowling unit. He comes in the middle phases and tries to take wickets. That is what he did. Four for twelve in his three point three overs. The best bowling figure so far in the tournament. And Patrick Kruger, another right arm fast bowler, took a wicket for his name as well. So it was just the pace attack running through the Pretoria Capital team, and it was an easy win for the uh, for the Sunrisers Eastern Cape as they managed to chase the target within seven overs span. and get that bonus point that is very very important in the larger perspective of uh, the tournament and as as far as the pretoria capital is concerned certainly halfway mark they have lost four of the five games that they have played and certainly they are looking towards that elimination route very very uh, soon and that looks to be the case because they just have to win every single game that is remaining out there and certainly it is not that easy to win five games on a trot and still Uh, make sure that you are uh, into the playoffs so it is a big task in front of them will they able to perform and come back strong is something that needs to be seen as far as another team who definitely has had some good performances from their batting unit specifically uh, is the mi cape town team as i said the top two run scorers if you see ryan rickelton 355 dasi van der dusen 313 both are the openers of this very team and have been terrific up front with the bat but it's their bowling that has been very very off color in this edition because six games have happened for them and they have managed uh, to lose four of them 
And the big reason they lost four games out there was because their bowlers gave those extra few runs out there, which was definitely uh, which was definitely not required to be given at first place. And also their batting also collapsed in, a, in, the, in the last couple of games and did not perform to the standards that it was expected to. But their bowlers specifically, someone like a Kutagi Sorabada, someone like Sam Karan, have experience behind their belt. They've just got four wickets in the tournament in six games. And that is not what you expect from their frontline paces. Thomas Kaber, who has just played four of the six games, he has six wickets under his belt. So that is the most wickets for any MICT bowler in this tournament. So that is the reason why they haven't been able to maintain the consistency in this tournament because they started off with a couple of losses. They came back strong with a couple of wins. Now, once again, they have had two big defeats because while chasing in both the in the, in the previous two games, they have lost by big margins. And that has definitely impacted the net run rate. And that is uh, going to be a very, very important factor that needs to be seen out there for the MI Cape Town because individual performances are coming. But the bowlers is what needs to step up. And that is why it is important for the bowling unit to step up and do well. We have seen someone like a Brisbane Heat in the Big Bash League. As I said, that bowler stepped up and gave the team a terrific run out there. A similar thing needs to happen here. The bowlers need to step up and get the MIC Cape Town's uh, train back in tracks in the remaining half of the tournament and make sure that they try to at least seal the deal uh, in the third or the fourth position because top four teams qualify. The top two will face in a qualifier, the number three, number four in the eliminator. And the usual IPL format that we see in the playoffs will be played out there. So, in, in keeping yourself in the top four is the most important thing. And MICT will be definitely a team that will be working towards that. And as far as Joburg Super Kings is concerned, they are also uh, not in a different route as Pretoria Capital. But the good thing is they finally got a win out there uh, the other day. They got the win against Pretoria Capitals themselves. They were able to chase a target that was... Not that big as well, but we have seen the first few games where even mediocre targets were not being able to chase. They failed to chase 146 in one of the games against Devon Super Giants. So certainly, they haven't had the best of the batting performances from their team, but it was nice to see that their batting stepped up and did extremely well in that game and managed to seal the deal for the uh, for the Joburg Super Kings. They also five matches, just one match they have won, one got washed out and three matches they have lost out there. So certainly a team that needs to step up and do well in the remainder of the uh, in the in the remaining half of the tournament in order to find themselves in the top four out there when it comes to the qualification into the next round as such. And as that, that is the performance of all these uh, six teams in this tournament, and that has been a tournament that has definitely uh, slowed down a bit in the middle phase that we usually see in all the big tournaments, multi-team tournaments that happen, especially in the middle phases, it becomes a bit stagnant. And and this time, it is more of uh, the bowling front that worked out really, really well than the batting front. And that is the reason why, uh, you know, the batting units haven't been able to perform well. There is no half centuries in the last four matches. So that basically tells you that it hasn't been that uh, easy for the batting units to uh, go out there and perform as we are in the middle phases of the tournament. So there is a lot of things that will be coming up for sure uh, in, the, in the later stages of the tournament. We are definitely moving towards the business end. Every single match is going to become crucial and we have to see whether the whether the Pretoria Capital Joburg Super Kings will do the unthinkable of winning four or five games in a trot and seeing their spot in the playoffs or will we see the likes of Paul Royals and Durban Super Giants who have done extremely well in the first half of the tournament continue to do the same in the second half of the tournament as well.
and that is what uh, the SA20 scenario is right now at the moment. And moving on, we will definitely talk about the IELT20 that is happening, the international T20 in in UAE. And when I did the previous episode, we were just one match into the tournament, and the Gulf Giants had won that game out there against the Sharjah Warriors. Now we have six matches into the tournament, and a few things have definitely happened. MI Emirates they started off on a negative note. They lost in a game, their first game against the Dubai Capitals, but they came back strong in the second and the third game, and they managed to beat the Gulf Giants and the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders in convincing fashions. And and those two wins were of uh, big num big margins out there. The batters played extremely well out there. Um, when it comes to the performance against the Gulf Giants, they scored extremely well with the bat, 180 with the bat, and were able to defend it pretty convincingly. And as far as the match against Abu Dhabi Knight Riders, they bowled them out for 95 out there, and and they convincingly managed to seal the deal for themselves and get a get their second win. So they are at the top of the table after winning two of the three games. Whereas the rest of the teams that have played in the tournament, they have, they have played just a couple of games. They have not played that extra one game so far, and that's the reason why MI Emirates are at the top of the table. And looking onto the other team performances, there has been some individual performances that needs to be mentioned. For MI Emirates uh, themselves, there has been their captain, Nicholas Puran, terrific start for him in the tournament. He has scored over, he has scored 111 runs in the three games. Of the 111, 60 of those are just by maximums. In three games, he has scored 10 sixes and he has been outstanding when it comes to smoking the ball left, right and centre. And he just attacked both the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders and the Gulf Giant bowlers and just took them apart. And that is the reason why he is currently, uh, he's been he's one of the highest run scorers in the tournament. Along with that, he has been able to play in that attacking approach. Maybe his strike rate of 165 is the highest for any batter in this tournament so far in the beginning stages. And then a couple of good performances like uh, like the likes of uh, like Johnson Charles that I'm trying to mention out here because he has had a career renaissance over the last couple of years, I have to say, because 2016-2017 was the last time Johnson Charles was in the conversation. But after that, he wasn't uh, he was playing the CPL and other tournaments regularly, but he wasn't in that West Indies selection uh, only. And then out of the blue, he does extremely well in a CPL edition, comes into the West Indies team. And now, even in the other franchise tournaments, he's stepping up and doing extremely well. Scored a brilliant 93 for the Sharjah Warriors team in order to get that win against the Dubai Capitals a couple of days ago. And then there was another good batting performance from Andreas Goose of South Africa. Yeah, South Africa SA20 is going on, but there is one South African who is not playing the SA20. And that is Andreas Goose. And he, was, he is the opening batter of the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders. Played a brilliant 95 with the bat. Uh, against uh, their match against the Desert Vipers. And he just, uh, that was an easy target of 165 in Dubai. And he just took apart the bowling unit of the Desert Vipers, who are missing Shane Afridi for sure. And they'll be hoping he comes into the team as early as possible. And he just ripped apart the Desert Vipers back bowling unit and scored a brilliant 95. Started off his tournament in a good note. And he'll be definitely hoping to make a name for themselves because name for himself because in this tournament it these franchise leagues are the opportunities for the players who don't have that much amount of international experiences to make a name for themselves and put their names into the selection uh, scenario for their national teams and certainly andreas goes if he manages to test that here in the ilt20 he will definitely be a player who can be thought about in contention for this uh for, for the south african team or also for the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders team, which has other teams across the world 
in other franchise leagues uh, as well. But one thing that I definitely was really happy to see amongst all these good performances were a terrific 114-run partnership. The first game that I mentioned where MI Emirates lost to Dubai Capitals, in that game it was a terrific 114-run partnership between Rahman Lagurbaz and Jake Frazer-Megurg. You might have heard my praises for Jake Frazer-Megurg in the last couple of episodes of the T20 Fever. He, has, he had a terrific run in the Big Bash League. According to me, one of the breakout stars in the tournament. He, his batting was just outstanding. 158, 250-plus runs in the tournament. Consistency with the bat as well. He had a terrific Big Bash League there. And now here also in the first game, he did extremely well for the Dubai Capitals team. Had a brilliant 54 with the bat. But along with that, he had a terrific 114 runs partnership with Ramanu Bagulbaz. And that helped the team extremely well in positioning themselves yeah, towards an easy win. 160 is what they needed while chasing. And they chased it up at 16 over span. And that definitely pushed them in that net run rate part, which, which will definitely be a huge thing in the later stages of the tournament. And certainly, Jake Fraser, Mega and Rehman Gurbaz. Rehman Gurbaz is an, is an established talent. He has done his uh, outstanding running performances across various franchise leagues. But seeing Jake Fraser, Mega also in that list now, it definitely is a good thing to see how he's going to perform and become a huge part of the T20 cricket in the years to come by. And certainly, it's a good beginning here, a good big bash league. He has started off well in the IELT20 as well in a nice note. So, he'll be hoping to make it big in the in this tournament and, and improve his stock as well as the tournament progresses forward is what we can say. And as far as uh, the up- upcoming games are concerned, certainly, there are... Uh, big players that are yet to join in this uh, tournament as well. There will be the likes of Nuan Tusharas, there will be the likes of uh, Shane Afridi coming into the tournament and being a part of this. So, we'll see how they are going to come out and perform for this team and how they are going to do uh, well. And as the tournament progresses, we are going to see which player comes up and does well. Can we see the uh, someone like Andres who continues the, continue the good performance that he did extremely uh, like the first match that he scored? Can we see Jake Fraser Megdog have a similar season like the Big Bash League here in IRT20? Certainly, these are the factors that I'll keep an eye on as we progress into the into the tournament of the IRT20 2024 season. And by saying that, this is the end of the podcast uh, for this edition. It was definitely a good look back into a terrific Big Bash League that happened out there and a good SA20 and IRT20 that is uh, happening currently in South Africa and UAE respectively. So certainly, the franchise leagues are the focus at the moment. And here on the T20 Fever podcast, I'll be making sure that I'll be bringing you some good stats, good records, and good analysis of all these tournaments and how it is going on and how it is making cricket a lot better place when it comes to excitement and fun. By saying that, this is Dhanush Lamanya signing off, and I'll see you in the next episode. And also, before going, before leaving, Definitely check out to all those video edits that I provide on the Offstump Podcast Instagram channel. You can search at Offstump Pod on Instagram, and definitely you will be able to find the Offstump page. And there are a couple, there are a few outstanding uh, analysis that I have tried to make, and that has uh, certainly been a good, uh, good experience for myself because analysis is something that I've been doing over the last couple of years, but this time doing it hands-on, trying to find data by myself from the scratch. It's certainly a, a, a terrific experience out there. So certainly there are a few videos, some videos on breakout performers out there, videos on how Yashasvi Jaiswal, Shivam Dubey have done extremely well in recent times for themselves in T20 cricket. 
like these there are a bunch of videos available on the obstinate podcast instagram page so do definitely go and check out there is what i'll be saying